0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com. And it's a it's a you know a proud thing when you when you get a song done with somebody else and it works, especially if it has some success. Um, it's just really cool to like you know a little pat on your own back, like man, I did it. Like I made it work with some other artist other than just my own band that I've had success with.
1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend. I most certainly did. This episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of amazing shows throughout the year here in Montreal, but more than that, they also put on one of North America's sickest festivals, And that's the absolute truth. I have played festivals all over the globe, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I am more than stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Super stoked to announce that I have teamed up with Indie Merch Store for the official Vox and Hops merchandise store. You can go to my website, voxandhops.com, that's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com slash merch, and you will be taken to my official store where there is a bunch of sick merch available. If you use the promo code VoxHops10, that's V-O-X-H-O-P-S 10, you will save 10% off of your entire purchase. Do it, people. This is a great way to help support the Vox and Hops. Metal Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If you have a friend that enjoys metal and craft beer, well, suggest that they check out the podcast. That would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. You can tell them that there are 280 episodes available on their favorite podcast platform for them to go and check out. Now, in today's episode, I'm very happy to be back with Dan Jacobs of Atreyu. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 280. 280. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I am back with Dan Jacobs of Atreyu. Dan, very, very stoked to be back with you. Last time we hung out was at Heavy Montreal. It was damn hot. Yes. Yes now it's a different type of search uh, situation we're hanging out remotely but that's cool how have you been dan
0: i've been doing really good i uh, considering all the uh the craziness over the past year and a half i've uh, i've been doing really good i have no complaints
1: that makes me happy to hear that and i always like to start off with this shitty question so we can move somewhere else and have more fun later <laughs> how did you cope with the glorious year that is now behind us of 2020
0: um it was a combination of things i mean on the musical side we just kind of had to hit the uh, the pause button a couple times because um, we were working on our, our new record, Baptize. Um, so, you know, we it kind of spaced things out. It stretched the process out a little bit longer than we were planning, but uh, but it got done at the end of the day. So it wasn't, at the end of the day, it wasn't the worst thing ever. Just, you know, just got stretched out a little bit. And um, we had to kind of, you know, space out physically and uh, wear masks here and there. And some of, during some of the recording processes, if we needed to be around each other, just to be safe, but. Um, and then, um, yeah, I aside from that, I mean, like, I, like as I've mentioned to you before, I have a, a business I do called Rock World Merch uh, that does a lot of merchandising stuff for bands and brands and all, all kinds of things. And um, you know, trying to run something like that during a pandemic can be a little bit crazy, but um, we were very fortunate to turn our um, our efforts towards making uh, masks as well as importing. Uh, different sorts of like medical supplies and whatnot, uh, since we have a lot of capabilities overseas uh, for bringing stuff in. So uh, we just directed all of our efforts towards that. And uh, it was it allowed us to stay open and stay in business because we were making needed items. Um, and we just kind of rode that wave uh, of trying to just help out in that sense, uh, which helped our business uh, stay afloat until we can kind of normalize again, which we're a kind of back of that area now so it's a it was it's all good.
1: That's amazing. I love the hustle. Um and it's a, for, it was for a good cause as well. So when when you're when you're hustling to stay alive, keep your business alive for good causes, you get my vote. I always 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 appreciate that. Uh cryptopsy we we tried to write remotely for quite some time throughout the uh, the pandemic doing these Zoom writing sessions. Yeah. It was a nightmare. So so
0: it doesn't yeah, it's hard even though you're like you know, you're sitting there and you're talking to someone like if they're not Especially when it comes to music, if they're not in the room and you can't like watch each other and feel the music, it's hard to be like, "Hey, man, what do you think of this riff through the, you know, through, through the recording?" It's like, "What? Uh, I guess that's cool. Yeah, just let's do that. I guess." Like, I don't know. <laughs> People trying to talk over each other, it just gets weird, you know. But um, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And
1: Then you hear that idea back later, and you're like, "Man, that fucking sucks. Yeah. That's a horrible yeah. idea." And they're like, "You loved it. You said it was good. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you were there."
0: <laughs> A quote
1: unquote <laughs> uh, vox and ops is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their life, music and craft beer now what what do you drink on your, your side you're at work right now and uh it's early for you so so what what are you drinking right,
0: uh, now? right now i'm just drinking some coffee a brown sugar oat milk coffee um yeah just to, Very nice. the oat milk yeah coffee. the old oat milk yeah the uh, the real milk makes my tummy hurt so we go uh, we go oat milk
1: Um, yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, same here. I'm a vegan. So, so all milk fucks me up especially lactose and beers uh, this is a, a very special brew that I'm going to be sharing with you it's uh, the saison de Vala from Lagabiaya which is a very cool brewery uh, just outside of Montreal here where I'm from they're they're doing this whole new experimental they call it their inspiration series and this is a one in particular is a atypical saison with American hops that has been uh, fermented uh, on a wild Scandinavian yeast I'm gonna crack this this is clocks in 5.3 percent ABV Let's talk about your first beer, Dan. Last time we were together, I didn't ask you that question. So I'm curious to hear about the very first beer that you drank.
0: The very first beer. I mean, the the one I remember the most vividly, I guess, would be, was I think it was about 15 years old. And my dad, actually, I it was super random. Like, I... was out skateboarding and I came inside my house like a mid you know summer's day or something like that and it was real hot and came in I was like oh man I'm really thirsty and my dad for whatever random reason he's never said this before was just like have a beer I was like what (laughs) oh okay I guess I guess I'll have that I don't know I've never really drank much beer before I don't really know if that's but I mean adults seem to make it look pretty good so I I cracked a Coors Light which is a uh you know Mm. a real popular American uh watery beer um But it's, uh, you know, I cracked it open. I took a sip and I did not, I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't, I don't think my body and palate was ready for beer yet. It wasn't that time. And uh, Coors Light was not the, uh, not the one. If if Coors not. But uh, (laughs) yeah.
1: Um, It's still on our rider today because uh, my drummer Flo lives by Coors Light, and it's an internal struggle in the band when we're divvying up the budget for beer. (laughs) So (laughs) we always have to leave a little bit on on the rider for Flo. Um, Cheers with a beer to your cop Yeah, cheers. Smells amazing. It's got that earthy wildness from the Scandinavian yeast. Um, Very clean, very cool, delicious. Love it. Uh, Let's dance into the soundtrack of your youth. When you were growing up in your parents' or guardians' house, what music was playing? When you were not in control of the music, what music did your parents or guardians listen to?
0: I found myself listening to a lot of, like, kind of stuff from, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, even. Um, That's kind of what my parents grew up on. So it was. uh, would, would be on it It's strange my like on my dad's side for instance my dad's not a music guy at all he's never he's not musically inclined in any way and not even really a big fan of a ton of music but when he would put something on I the the most vivid thing I would remember was the Kingston Trio I don't know if you've ever heard of the Kingston Trio but they're uh they're yeah. a, a much older group they're kind of they're very folky kind of early Americana folky style almost country um sort of group and uh it, to me it was always kind of hokey and weird you know and like but it was very catchy i mean i remember myself being very young and the songs like sticking in my head um pretty pretty well and to this day like i still remember all the lyrics to a lot of them and some of them now listening to them as an adult i'm like these are actually some really beautiful songs like these are uh, really well written songs and uh but uh but more so on uh, my mom's side my mom's the music person in my band she's always you know grew up playing a little bit of guitar and just loving going to concerts and i definitely get my love for music from my mom and uh she uh you know, I whether it be like our, we had a station called K Earth one oh one, uh, that was really popular um out here in the you know, the eighties and nineties and stuff that played Stuff from, like, the 50s and 60s. And now it plays, like, 80s music, and it, which is weird to me. Like, that that's oldies now. It's The whole switch. Yeah, it's, it's just strange. I mean, my band, it's gotten played on an oldie station. Old. Like a, a, we're getting old. Yeah, then. dude. When, when your band gets, <laughs> when we got a pay, officially played on a classic rock station out here, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> like, like, there's no going back from
1: that. You know? Just hang up the guitar. Yeah, like, damn, dude.
0: <laughs> One foot in the grave already. Holy shit. But, um, yeah, a lot of oldie <laughs> stuff, short story long. Yeah. I like, I love to this day. I'm a huge fan still. And it's very, um, influential on in a lot of the stuff I write, uh, whether it be for a trade or even outside of a trade for other artists that I write for. Um, I try to bring, I always try to sprinkle a little bit of that classic 50s, 60s vibe in there. Cause it's just, uh, it's just so familiar and, and, uh, pretty sounding.
1: There's a reason why they were big hits, right? So Yeah. There's nothing nothing wrong with explaining that. Uh, exactly. What what would have been that band that was too much for your parents that, that just they didn't get it? Uh it was you, you had to listen to it at a lower volume. Was there a band like that, one of one of your first loves that was just too much for your parents?
0: Not necessarily. My parents were pretty cool when it came to music and stuff. They were very open minded and didn't really care what I listened to or did or anything in that sense. Um but I mean, if I had to turn anything down, I mean, probably one of the first crazy things I ever listened to was, it was actually an exploited um, album, but not just anyone. There's an album by them called Beat the Bastards, which is like one of the heaviest albums they've ever put out. It's really brutal. It it doesn't even really sound like them. It's so heavy in comparison to like their older 80s punk stuff. And uh, that was the first time I ever heard like double bass. And like, like that was like teetering into metal and like hardcore for me was hearing... The beat, the best, especially the first song on there. I mean, the first like few songs on that record are just all rippers. I mean, it's a fucking ripping record. Uh, very underrated record. Uh, a lot of people probably don't even know about it, but it's "Beat the Bastards." If you haven't heard it for whatever reason, it's a fucking ripping record by the Exploited. But yeah, that was probably the first thing that I had that like you know if I you know I'd cranked it up in the car, they'd be like, ah oh, damn, maybe turn that down a little bit. You know, that's kind of intense. <laughs>
1: For me, for me, it was Manson, okay. Antichrist Superstar. My dad just didn't understand it. And I think it was more by the, the visual aspect of it. And it's funny because he was a Cooper fan, but he didn't grasp this the bizarreness of Man- what Manson yeah. was doing. Uh, take me to your first show. Do you remember the first show that you ever went to go see?
0: Yeah. First first official show I ever went to was a, I guess, concert or whatever. It was a Green Day in 1996 really? on the Dookie tour. That yeah, weekend. it was awesome. I mean, I was sitting away up in the bleachers, but we were kind of like pretty close to the edge, uh, um, you know, maybe like two seats back um, in like the back left corner of the arena. I still kind of have like slight like memories of it. Um, I actually went with our uh, our now um, ex-singer Alex, him and myself and uh, another, I can't remember one or two friends of ours that were all kind of in the punk rock scene uh, back in the, the 90s when we were in junior high. Um, yeah we're just huge Green Day fans and uh, yeah had had to go there I have actually remember even in particular Alex um, you know this is how ignorant we were at the time being you know 13 years old um, he was like, man, there's going to be a lot of punk rockers there and we need to like dye our hair and we need to dress punk because we don't. Th- we're going to get beat up. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're like, oh, shit, that's terrifying. I'm like, man, I'm scared to go. I've never been to a show before. I'm really afraid. Like, mm-hmm. I better be really punk or I don't know what's going to happen. So we kind of like sprayed our hair green and like try to look punk or whatever. We didn't know what we're doing, but um, it worked. We didn't get beat up.
1: <laughs> I was also afraid of my first show. It was Corn's Family Value. It was an off date uh, up here in Montreal. It was Orgy, Incubus, and Corn. I believe. I might be forgetting a band, but I was terrified. and <laughs> I survived. I also did not get beat up. Uh, let's talk about your
0: first time on stage. First time on stage? Like an actual stage or just playing a show? Just playing a show. We'll build our way up. I guess the first actual performance that I ever did was in a backyard. Um, it was when a, a, before You a was called Treyu, we were called Retribution, and this was from like 1990, like six, ninety-seven. So it's close to that
1: that that green, green Day show. When you were at the Green Day show, did you guys were you already a band? Were you already imagining that one day that would be you on that stage? We
0: were Alex and I were already playing. Uh, we were already jamming together and trying to like get something going, but we hadn't gotten anything just yet and uh you know we soon met brandon after um he you know we met him through his older brother ryan um but we played our first show um we were a three-piece originally it was brandon alex and myself alex played bass and sang um and yeah it was in this backyard of this girl her name was emily bridgeford and she lived in yorba linda and uh yeah I remember it was us and um, another band called Trust 31 that was like a local band that like to us, we're like, oh shit, they were like a, you know, a big, very local band. Like not, they were no, never got anywhere, but it, they locally, like we knew the name. If you were in bands, you knew all the other bands' names. And we like heard a Trust 31. We're like, oh man, like we're opening for Trust 31 at this backyard party. It's going to be sick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it was awesome. I mean, the show, we, we were terrible. I mean, we, we were absolutely terrible and we could barely <laughs> play our songs, but uh you know we got through it in one way or another
1: those early moments those those they're always horrible most of the time most of the people i ask are horrible yeah the, the experiences were horrible but the memories that that feeling of being and performing for that very first time are, are there forever yeah uh you better give a guest list to emily for life right has, <laughs> yeah. has she come out to shows in the future no i
0: haven't seen her in years her she had a, a an older sister too Emily was actually uh, one of our singer Brandon's like earlier crushes when we were back in that time. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of incentive for him to you know, to impress uh back then, you know, rocking her house, you know. But
1: uh yeah, I haven't seen her in a long time. She she better she better she better be impressed now.
0: Yeah. I wonder if she'll hear this interview somehow and be like, Oh my gosh. I can't believe they're still talking about me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How about your last show? Do you remember the last show you saw before everything closed down?
0: Uh, it was my own show, I guess. We were playing in Australia uh, in March for early, early months. It was bright. It was probably like a month before everything got shut down because we were just getting ready to go back out to do something else, and then it like we we're like, I guess we're not. Um, but uh, yeah, Australia was the last thing that we got to do. We did a few shows over there. Some headlining shows they were really fun.
1: It's always fun. Uh, how have you been filling the void? For myself, I do these interviews. Uh, the moments before I sit down right here to connect with an artist, I'm always worried: Am I prepared enough? Um, is he going to connect? Are we going to connect? Uh, is it going to work? That is how I've been filling the void of performing on stage. How have you been filling that
0: void? For me, it's just, uh, I guess, writing with other people. You know, that's kind of the a way to get like a sensation out. You know, because I mean, it's fun. You know, writing for a trade boat. You know. With a, with Trey, we only write right before record time. Where that's when we kind of we might have ideas that we've been saving away, but we don't really go into full writing mode until then. So in those that downtime, you know, usually a record cycle could be anywhere from one to three years, depending on how well the record does. Um, in that downtime, um, I just try to fill it with you know, aside from doing my other businesses and stuff, um, with writing with other people because it's it's fun writing music for other bands and other types of music, um, because, you know, with Treyu, we, we have, you know, we, we like to go all over the place musically, you know, to keep it interesting for ourselves and for fans and whatnot. Um, but we can all, there's still some boundaries, you know, we can only go so far in certain directions before it gets a little bit too weird. Um, so I can kind of scratch those itches and get those um, needs out to play other styles of music and write other styles of music by working with other artists. Uh, which is a really fulfilling experience. Um, anybody who's, you know, a songwriter yourself, if you've ever not co-written with other people, I highly recommend it. It's, um, you know, you just, you learn a lot from other people. Um, you you create recipes that you otherwise would never have uh, by working with other people. And it's it's just it's really fun. It, it, it's a really rewarding experience. Some, sometimes it can get weird. It's, it, it's like dating. Sometimes it can be really weird and it doesn't go so well. But um, in most cases, it's a, it's a very rewarding experience.
1: That's cool. How how does this all come about? How do you solicit them? Do they solicit you? For for myself, I get hit up all the time to do these guest vocal spots, but they want Matt from Cryptopsy. They want me to do the gutturals. They want the screams. For you, it's something completely different. They want your songwriting capability. So so how do do you hook up with these
0: people? Uh, There's a combination of ways. I mean, some of it's through our publishing company, through BMG. Um, You just, when you get involved with them um, with any publishing company, I'm sure when you get involved, one of the first things you do is you let them know how much you're interested in doing. You know, if you just wanted to keep it as simple as just give me publishing on my, st- with the, like, for instance, a you like, just give me publishing on my you stuff. I don't care other than that. Just leave me alone. I'm just going to live my life, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. another option is you can, you know, make it known that you are interested in songwriting with people of, you know, whatever type it is. And, um, you know they 'll connect you with other like artists and and bands and stuff, and you get to go in with them and and write some stuff and sometimes it gets used sometimes it doesn 't sometimes it gets chopped up so much by the time they're once you like <laughs> like you write the song with them and you turn it in and then they go to their producer and their manager and their other band members, and everybody kind of puts their two cents in what spits out the other side is so different than what you started with, but you can hear where you know some of the elements that you brought to the table are are in there. Um, there's all kinds of things that come from it, but it's, a uh, um, sometimes it's very organic too. Sometimes it's just something where it's like a friend or something like, yeah, yeah. um, there's dudes I know in bands where I'm like, uh, you know, if I, I'm a fan of their band one way or another, whatever they do, I might hit them up and say, Hey, like, you know, especially if it's a style of music that's not like mine, cause that, that it's a harder sell being in a rock metal band and trying to go, Hey, you're in a reggae band. Can I write you a reggae song? Or Hey, you're a pop artist. You <laughs> mind if I do something with you? They're like, what are you going to do with me? But um, I've been recording stuff in all different you know styles so that I can you know present people with things where it's like, hey, check out this me doing a reggae song to a reggae artist. And they're like, oh, well, this is good. I didn't know you could do this. It's like, yeah, we should write together. And it's like, oh, OK, cool. Like, yeah, now that you've sold me by sending me this song, I'm now more enticed to work with you. Whereas, um, you know, right now, like through BMG, for instance, the majority of the things that they set me up with are like rock groups, you know? Um, you know, it's usually, you know, it'll be... Um, yeah just things that are kind of like you or in the active rock world
1: are you allowed to talk about who something that's come out has anything come out that you can't talk about that you have in a bar? Yeah, or, or is it like a secretive thing that you sign away
0: some stuff it just depends you know but, um you, you keep it on the dl just because you don't know if the song is going to go anywhere or do anything and it's kind of you want to go like kind of prematurely mm-hmm. talking about stuff but um you know um we did a song with hyro the hero actually i did a couple songs with him um very cool. this was um, a couple years ago. It was actually probably like two years ago. It was a little while ago now. Um, myself and uh, our other guitar player Travis uh, worked on this. Uh, we did two songs with him, and uh, one of them got used, um, but the name of it changed, and it's um, it just sounds it sounds a lot different than what we originally did but you can you can hear the um, the elements that we brought in uh, originally there, and then our singer. Brandon uh, for Atreyu actually ended up doing guest vocals on it in the end. So it kind of ended up oh, so cool. this full Atreyu experience on there. But it's a, it's a song called Legendary that, uh, that Hiro the Hero just released not too long ago. Um, that's probably the most recent thing that I've worked on that's, that's come out. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, things of, of such, you know. That's, things like that are what we uh, end up working with.
1: Absolutely. Is this like something that could end up being like a after Atreyu... Career for you that keep you still involved in the music industry uh,
0: absolutely I mean it's something it, it's it's just really fun it's one of those things that just it it just doesn't feel like work at all you know like I really enjoy doing every aspect of it and you know any opportunity to get to work with another artist and just keep writing music is is awesome and uh, just in general like for an artist if you want to have just another avenue to make as much money off your music as possible um, so that you can sustain off your music. Um, writing with a lot of other artists and getting a little bit of that publishing, a little bit of the the you know ownership of the songs, um, even if the bands aren 't big, you know if you just write a lot and you do it with so many different artists, you have it 's like you know like buying stocks you know if you buy a hundred different stocks, some of them might not make you a lot of money, some might make you a shitload of money, or maybe all of them just make you a little bit of money, but collectively you, you make enough where you can sustain uh, maybe just a little bit or a, in a really nice comfortable way. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's really beneficial and advantageous as an artist, um, if you can, if you're, if you're of the songwriting type. Because not every artist is a songwriter. Some people are more of the performers that's correct um, and are looking for people to write them a song and then they go and they perform it and that's what they're good at, you know. Whereas there's some songwriters that are not good performers, you know. Uh, and you get some people that can do a little bit of all of it, you know. There's all different breeds in the, in the music world. But, yeah, that's uh, one way I'd like to... Um, you know add some more supplemental income um just because it's a really fun way to do it you know and it's a it's a you know a proud thing when you when you get a song done with somebody else and it works especially if it has some success um it's just really cool to like you know a little pat on your own back like man i did it like i made it work with some other artist other than just my own band that i've had success with
1: that's right that's right and and you know the rap artists have been doing this for years, realizing the cross collaboration, the the cut the writing, the the just getting a little bit of that publishing. Yeah. I'm happy that more people in rock and metal are gonna start doing yeah. this. It's a very, very smart smart endeavor. Yeah. Hey, what's up, Fox and Hobsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. Let's talk about Baptize. Came out June 4th via Spine Farm. Um, pandemic release. Talk me through this. Uh, for Cryptopsy, we've been talking a lot about if we were ready to release an album, which we are sadly not, but if we were, uh, we had, we'd probably have a big internal discussion about whether we should hold on to it or whether we should drop it until we could tour it properly. Now, touring is coming back now. But uh, was there a discussion like that for this album for you guys?
0: Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, everything's been kind of thrown off because we were, we were last year we were going to be write, writing the record. And by end of 2020, early 2021, we were going to be back on the road, dropping it, touring it, the whole shebang. But because everything happened, um, everything got pushed up, put on pause and all these tours or things that were supposed to happen got scooted back at the very earliest a year. Now, with that being said, because all those things were scooted back, a lot of opportunity that we were looking to have in 2021, like immediately got pulled off the table because we're like, oh, man, we weren't like when we like, you know, we weren't planning on doing anything last year. So it didn't matter. But all those things that we all those events last year that we weren't involved with and didn't care about being involved with because we were going to be writing a record got moved to this year. And now we're like, man, now it's like hard to get on those events because they're already booked. Because they were set for last year, and you're like, "Oh crap!" Like that kind of throws off the game a little bit, you know. We kind of have to work around that situation, which is um, which has been okay, you know. Like we've managed to get on a few festivals, and um, you know, we're hoping to do a tour at some point in time, whether it be the end of this year or early next year, sometime. But I don't know. It's it's another thing too. Like we're so excited, and we have momentum going with what we're doing with our new album, and especially with our parting ways with our original singer, Alex. Um, there's a lot of, you know, expectations from us and a lot of, I don't know, excitement for us. Like if, you know, this is going to be the new Atreyu, like what, you know, let's get the party started, you know, let's get that new era and chapter started. We just want to get it out there and and let the world hear it and do it. And so, you know, we figured, you know what, we can kind of just slow drip this album out, you know, as much as we can. We don't want to be ridiculous about it, but we kind of dropping singles or, or individual songs here and there. Um, every month or so, just to kind of give people a little bit more and more fresh music and a more and more of a taste to slowly digest what they're going to get when they get the new record. Um, then putting it out and um, trying to just stay, you know, with, you know, the time we have between now and, and doing stuff live again, which is, you know, only f- like three, four months away. It's not too far away. Um, you know, we just kind of... It's much closer than it
1: was, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: it's much closer <laughs> now, you know, so we, we feel a lot more comfortable you know, ideally, and you know, as you were mentioning, if you're in a band, ideally you want to be touring when your record drops, so you have the most eyes on you. It's the most advantageous time to be dropping a records when you're on a tour. Uh, especially at the beginning of a tour or something where you just, you know, it's not the tour just ended and then you drop a record or something, you yeah? know? But... Um, you
1: yeah, need that momentum.
0: Yeah, you want that momentum. You want everything, all, we all you know, things cylinders firing at the same time, all wheels going at the same time. That's the best way to have a chance of getting your music out there. Um, so, you know, we're just kind of you know, just, just going with the flow of, you know, screw it. Let's put it out. Let's just get it out now. And it's not too far away from touring and things are going back to normal. So we're, you know, we're just going to keep the plan as that and, uh, hope for the best.
1: That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Just about like a, a whole lineup switch. You got Kyle on drums now, Brandon's up in the front not on the drums how was that experience like for him not recording drums for an atreo album
0: he actually did the the drums on this album did yeah.
1: he oh, that makes yeah, sense yeah i would expect that too yeah, yeah
0: and even in future records i mean i'm sure he'll still i don't th- i don't think it'll be something where kyle tracks everything per se um mm-hmm. just because brandon is incredible drummer and he's really talented in the studio I and mean, he's play drums on, you know, other bands, records and stuff like that of bands and songs that are, are pretty notable uh, in the past, you know, 10 years. Um, cause he is really good in the studio and he's, he works very fast. He's really good. Um, so with that being said, you know, it might be a thing if he has an idea, he'll just jump in there and be like, Kyle, you know, it'll go like this and Kyle like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. It's, it's laid down now, you know? Um, which is, it's fun in the studio. It's fun to have everybody like jump in and we switch stuff up. I mean, sometimes, you know we you know switch up playing whether it be a percussion instrument or singing or to do harmonies or who's playing guitar on something like it's literally not like this is you know dan needs to play this riff or travis needs to play this riff or even brandon whoever it could just be who feels like it's literally in the studio who feels like playing this riff right now who wants to record this like ah travis i recorded the last one you record this one i'm like all right it's it's literally works like that these days we just kind of all chip in and just get it done you know just as long as the album sounds great that's the end of the the main focus but um yeah this is uh the first record um you know we did some songs without alex at the very end he was a part of the writing process as well uh for, for the lyrics for the most part that's kind of where he would bring stuff to the table is more lyrically um but uh yeah i mean i think there's about four songs on the album that we wrote without alex and once once alex was not with the band anymore we wrote without him but, um, yeah, other than that, everything's, uh, I don't know. I Well, like thing's are a little bit different, I guess. I guess we're probably heading into that part of the question. But, um, yeah, Brandon, you know, Brandon <laughs> vocally has had to step up a little bit more, um, you know, whether it be screaming um, uh, or even just singing some of the parts where it would normally be Alex. Um, some of those parts have also been filled by Porter, our bass player. He, you know, he's got an incredible, brutal scream. If you've heard any of the four songs we've released so far, they're all... Uh, uh, you know give a good representation of what he's bringing to the table um, as well as he's a familiar voice that's been on our record since 2006 since Death Grip so it's not a unfamiliar sound coming to our 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 our, 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 our recipe um, and then even myself I sing a little bit on this record on a song called Stay I sing the bridge like a lead vocal as well as my nice. Brandon and myself go back on and forth on a lead vocal at the end of Stay it's a a different type of song and um you know, the the bridge, as we were talking about before, I, I'm a big fan of 50s, 60s music. And there was a melody that I had for the, the bridge of that song that was um, very kind of in that that um, that vibe. And uh, we all took turns singing it just to see who made the most sense. You know, Porter, myself, uh, Brandon, even Travis It was just like everybody get in take a stab at that's it, so cool. whatever has the right vibe, that's, it's not, it, we don't, you know, in our band, we don't have egos or anything when it comes to like, I got to have this part or anything. It's all about what's best for the song. Like whatever's best for the song, that's what we're going to do. And, um, in this case, um, my voice worked on it and I was like, man, I've never sang on a tree record before, other than just doing like harmonies or, or group vocals and things that we Chance. Yeah. But, um, you know, I got to, uh, you know, we figure if we're going to be going in a slight different direction with Alex not being in the band. Um, you know, we have to fill that void with other things, you know, so we're like, we could just try to fill it with the exact same thing, or we could just add some other new elements in there and experiment a little bit more and, and do things we wouldn't have done or couldn't have done in the past.
1: It's 2021. You know, limits are behind us. Yeah. You guys can do anything you want as long as it stays within that realm of a tray. Yeah, exactly. It's really, really, and you guys know what a Atreyu is, so, so. Just be free, be creative. I, I think it's super cool. Everything I've heard is is heavy, catchy as fuck. Uh, you got some killer guests on this record. You got Travis Barker, Matt Heafy, Jacoby uh, from uh, Papa Roach. Um, how easy was it for it to get all these guests because of the pandemic? Because everyone was at home.
0: <laughs> so luckily, with technology, you know, with Matt in particular, because he lives in Florida, um, you could just track stuff. He'd just track it his house or wherever And they just send us the files And we just drop it in, edit them accordingly Or add effects on them, whatever we need to do To make it flow with the song And uh, there you go, you know So like uh, that part wasn't too difficult That song in particular we'd already written So we didn't need to collaborate too much On like writing or anything It was more so, here's this song Here's the parts and the lyrics Do your thing So you add your flavor And this is kind of the cadence we're looking for Something like this um, And then they just kind of do their thing Um, with Jacoby, um, Jacoby and Brandon crossed paths at a, um, like a house, you know, hangout or whatever. Um, I think Papa Roach was locally in town working on a record or something and Brandon went just to go hang out with them for a bit. And it, you know, it was freshly after Alex had parted ways with the band. So they were kind of talking about that a little bit and somehow it came up where Jacoby was like, man, dude, let me get on a song, dude. I'd love to do a song with you guys so we're like all right you know brandon was like all right i'm going to remember that i'm going to take you up on that and uh <laughs> he did you know so um him we actually were able to have him come up to the studio and uh actually get in there with john feldman and brandon and stuff and and do his parts so we can nice. kind of you know guide him you know to, to get what we need out of him but uh at the end of the day jacoby is such a legend like he's like he puts 150% into everything that he does you know if he's going to put his his name on something like he puts the fuck out of his name on it you know and it's 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 really cool. It's really, it added an energy to the song that was, you know, we were trying to achieve and it was there for the most part. But once you brought him in, it was like, oh, okay, like that was like, that just took it to another level that we didn't realize we could take the song to. Uh, so it's cr- incredible dude, incredible guy, really incredible artist. Uh, and then Travis Barker, Travis Barker was the only one that we didn't personally know, but he works a lot with John Feldman who produced our last Two records and our Let's Sales Paper Anchor record in 2007. Um, so, John Feldman works with very closely with Travis as well as his, you know, does Blink 182 stuff. So, we even did, a, we even wrote a song or a couple songs. We did three songs with Mark Hoppus. Two of them made the record.
1: Really? That's so cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of them being Sabotage Me. So, if you kind of listen to the verses, they sound, picture Mark Hoppus singing the verses and you'll be like, oh, okay, this is kind of <laughs> Blink 182 ish. Um, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, Travis Barker, you know, he's always been someone that we've looked up to as just, just he's one of those people that's like the perfect storm of all kinds of things. I mean, he's incredibly talented at his instrument um, in, in unique ways, um, which is one of the reasons why we got him as well. The whole, his whole like snare drum drum line uh, ability is incredible, and that's something that he. You you see it pop up here and there with stuff he does, but it's not one of the main things people ask him to do. So we were really enticed by that, like wanting to use that element of his that was not as tapped into as as a lot of other things. Like a lot of people just have him like just play drums on the song. They're like, the whole drum track is all Travis Barker, which is (laughs) which is awesome. Don't get me wrong, like we would love to have that too. That's very cool. But we're like, We we can't do that. We need to do something different. Um, so via via John Feldman and also Travis Barker who lives in the same neighborhood. As, um, as he lives down the street from, from uh, John, as well as I think his girlfriend, uh, the Kardashian, whatever. I think they all, they all live in Calabasas. They all live in that area. So it's, um, it's very conveniently located for a lot of these successful people to just work together and, and do incredible projects very conveniently. Um so he hit up Travis Barker and was like, Hey, these guys are doing a record here with me. Like, do you have any interest in and in doing this, you know? And uh luckily he said yes and he came down and we presented the idea of what we wanted to do, uh, over the bridge of our song Warrior, which is kind of our, our current like single we're pushing right now. Um we wanted him to just we want the the song in general, we wanted it to feel like a football game, sport sports event, you know, just go for the glory, make you feel like you Know yeah, a, a sporting event anthem. So, with that being said, the bridge of the song we wanted to go with something that feels like a big football game, huge drum core thing going on, and that's what that is. And that's what we brought him in to do his kind of snare drum thing over the whole bridge.
1: That's super sick. And he is a killer drummer, killer drummer, touring with Flo Mounier, who is one of the world's most renowned death metal drummers. He gives nothing but praise to travis barker so so killer killer drummer and an excellent choice for your album uh let's talk about what has the best part of COVID been for you
0: man honestly um my my businesses my businesses outside of um outside of the band have been flourishing because of the need for people to go online more uh so with that being said all the online stores we run um I've uh, been doing really well, as well as we started a fulfillment company at the beginning of the whole thing, just, you know, out of the need to fulfill, um, a lot of the merch company clients we have, they have a lot of bands that come through us. We print for almost any band you can think of at some point in time gets printed here. That's so cool. Um, so with that being said, you know, we wanted to make it more convenient for them and ship their stuff out instead of them shipping it to a fulfillment center, you know, somewhere far away. We're like, Hey, like if we just set up camp right here, like we can just take it off the press and just straight next door and just ship your stuff out. It'll save you time and money. And They're like, okay. And that turned out so good that it started just snowballing and they just started unloading um, clients on us to do this to where we ended up, you know, tripling the size of the company in, in just a matter of a year and a half. Uh, a lot of it because of everything going online. So they're, they're the need for that fulfillment uh, became much greater. So we just happened to ride that wave and um, it's allowed us to grow our business and, Um, you know, kind of, you know, get the the bigger picture uh, started.
1: Very, very cool. Um, Let's, two more questions. One of them being, if you could make an Atreo beer, have you guys done this before? I don't believe you have. You have. Okay, talk to me about this beer that you've made, please, and and how it came to be and what what brewery made it, please. Okay, so
0: we did a beer with Noble Aleworks. This was a few years ago. Um, if you Google, if you Google a Treyu beer, um, Noble Aleworks, I'm sure a picture or something will come up. The, the can is okay. the can. The artwork is is really awesome. So, it's the beer is called Superhero, and it was a, I think it was like a like like a this juicy double IPA. Um, it was orange. The flavor is just orange because we wanted it since the the whole theme of superhero was a song we had on our last record um, in our wake. It's called Superhero, and the song. Uh, our, our singer at the time, Alex was, um, he's a really big fan of like classic comic books, like 1950s, six, 19, sorry, even earlier, like 1940s comic books, like World War II era stuff. He really loved all that stuff. So the whole concept was let's make a beer called superhero where on the can, it's all of us as members of the band depicted as 1940s comic book characters. And it's a very colorful can. That's and um, the flavor, orange, we went with orange, one, because we're from Orange County, but two, like, we wanted it to be like, since we we're going to this classic comic book, we wanted to go with, like, classic American, like, you know, st- strong superhero breakfast. I don't know. We we're like, let's go with oranges, just something about <laughs> drinking your orange juice. You know what I mean? It's good. It's vitamin C. You know, like, you want to be a superhero, drink your orange juice. You know, that has, to me, that's this really nostalgic, classic thing about it. So we're like, let's make a really big you know, orange beer. It was just a really big orange it feels like a big thick hoppy or, you know, glass of orange juice kind of thing. Um so that's that's, that's awesome. what we went with. They came in um yeah, it came in like bigger bigger size I don't know if they were twenty four ounce cans or like maybe like sixteen ounce cans or something like that. But uh yeah. it yeah, was yeah. it was really cool. And we're um we're actually talking right now. I I don't want to say with who or what yet, but we are in the talks of doing a Uh, hopefully another beer here soon with a a different brewery.
1: Very cool. That's exactly where I was going. I was going (laughs) to, you can get a baptized beer brew going for, for this release. That would be super sick to match up with a future single.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something of the sort.
1: Very, very, very cool. Uh, One last question. It probably doesn't happen to you because you're, you're very, very busy writing songs for Atreyu, for other artists. You run a successful merch company and a fulfillment company, but every once in a while it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure?
0: Oh man. Um just one is just trying to pound a whole bunch of water and just hydrating yourself, just trying to level that hydration back out but um, um there's always the um you know if shit gets really bad, you know you pop a couple uh Advil or something and uh drink some Pedialyte. um Pedialyte's a classic uh, uh dime bag daryl pantera move um, from back in the day they they would um uh, were very vocal about talking in interviews about how. Uh, if you've got a really bad hangover or something, you just pound some Pedialyte. Because if, uh, if you don't know what Pedialyte is for anybody out there that's listening to this, it's stuff that's typically used for children to help them rehydrate themselves when they're having issues. If you're younger with maybe vomiting or diarrhea or things of the such. Uh, maybe they got too much sun, whatever it may be. If they're dealing with being underhydrated, it was, it's got a lot of electrolytes and things of the such. It's very concentrated. Uh, so if you need to get uh, feeling better really quick, pounding some Pedialyte, definitely... Uh, can help you uh get there quicker.
1: Absolutely. Is this something that you guys have stocked on the tour bus?
0: Um not as much these days, you know. We we don't uh we still drink and stuff, but like not like we did when we were in our 20s and we're just uh maniacs.
1: <laughs> We wake up at Walmart all the time anyways. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Dan, thank you so, so much for taking the time talking about your life. Metal and craft beer, I truly appreciate it. Everyone get ready. Baptize, dropped on June 4th via Spine Farm. Check it out. Thank you, Dan, so much. This was great. Cheers.
0: Cool. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right today. And you know that I love and appreciate that. Man, was I ever happy to reconnect with Dan. Last time we did it at Heavy Montreal, and it was a very short interview because of the time slots that we were given at the festival. It's just the way it is. I'm very happy that I had a longer conversation with Dan. I love how he hustles and has a business sense in the music industry. I love that. It's something that I think a lot more musicians should explore. We should all be taking some notes from what Dan has accomplished. Thank you so much, Dan, for hanging out with me once again. I truly, truly appreciated that. If you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. So, do me a favor, sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list because there's just so much going on. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I have two more episodes coming up this week, one on Thursday and another on Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. Yes, we out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. So, please subscribe to Numbat the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.